everybody, welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host Mackenzie and you are listening to episode 52 of the show. This is part two of my conversation with Lindsay Walder, so welcome back if you were listening for part one. Lindsay is a wife, a mama, a photographer, and a writer, and in case you're new around here, I actually had Lindsay on the show way back on episode five. This was one of the first episodes that I ever did and it's still the most listened to episode ever. We talked about what it's been like for her and her husband Gabe to grow their family through foster care and adoption, what it has been like to become an interracial family, and just how accurate is This Is Us about these topics. Shout out to that show, which just had a new season premiere come out recently, so that's fun. I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 5, the original episode I did with Lindsay, particularly if you're interested in foster care or have friends who currently do it or are thinking about doing it and you want to learn how to support them. You're going to learn so much from Lindsay, as I always do. I had Lindsay back on the show recently because I got such good feedback from people about what she shared and what they learned from her, and I thought it would be really fun to catch up and hear about the changes to their family, including another adoption of a sweet little boy named Leo. That's what Lindsay and I talked about on part one that came out last week. We talked about Leo's story of how he joined their family and how they decided on a domestic adoption rather than fostering or international adoption. The Walders have such a unique perspective on this because they've done foster parenting before and Lindsay's husband Gabe also works in international orphan care. So like I said, they have a really interesting perspective. They know a lot about all these topics and so it goes without saying I always learn a ton from them. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and listen to that first, but today we're talking more about foster care and adoption and some of the harder parts of it. I wanted to hear from Lindsay what it's been like for her to be a parent in an interracial family and how that's changed over the years now that she's parenting older kids and having to talk to them about some of these hard topics. And I also just wanted to check in, considering the year that we've had, 2020, and all the events that have gone on specifically around race and racial injustice in our country, and just see how they have been parenting through those events. We also talk about what it's like for Lindsay to look back on the foster care experience and if they would do it again or not. If you want to hear the details on that foster care experience from the past, go back and listen to episode 5. But overall, it was a hard experience for their family, and so I wanted to hear what it's been like now, what it's like looking back after some time to heal and reflect and see what they think about foster care now and if they would do it again or not. Whether you are interested in adoption or foster care or not at all, you're going to learn from Lindsay about what it looks like to care for those in need, to care for the marginalized and the most vulnerable in our communities. This is something that Lindsay and Gabe are great at, and they're going to teach you how to put your words into action. I am so honored to get to share this show with everyone. That Lindsay lets me share her story with all of my listeners. It's an honor to get to interview her and it's an honor to get to listen to it. So I really hope you enjoy. Don't forget about leaving a review. As you've probably heard me mention if you've listened before, leaving reviews helps other people to find the show. And that's of course what I want. I want more people to hear about these really important topics and to learn along with us. So please leave a review for the show. If you don't know how to do so, there are instructions on my website. It only takes a couple minutes. Leave a review, subscribe to the show so that you know when the next one is available, and share the show by word of mouth also. Word of mouth is huge in finding new shows. I know that's how I find a lot of the podcasts that I listen to and other things that I watch and listen to. So please share word of mouth with friends, with people you think would like this show, and of course subscribe. There's lots of good content coming for the month of November that I can't wait to share with you all so subscribe so you won't miss any of that all right friends here is my conversation with Lindsay. 
I want to kind of bounce to what -hmm. you were just referencing with talking about race, Mm -hmm. because that was something we talked about in our last episode, just what it's been like for you to learn how to parent in an interracial family. Obviously, that wasn't something that you could really prepare for that much. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of jumped into learning about that. And now your kids are older. Uh, yep. How old is Martel? Is he six? Six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Yeah. And and you have two black sons now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what's that journey kind of continued to be like, especially now with a son who's older and can talk about these things with you? And especially, I mean, just like, I feel like there's so many factors to consider with that. Like, you've moved and, you know, had to build a new community and, you I mean just 2020 in general and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything that's taken place lately mm-hmm. um in our world so yeah what's that been like for you guys yeah well I think that when we had moved from Illinois to Washington it'll be three years in February okay. three years ago two and a half years ago and mm-hmm. we had moved to an, an area of Washington State that was just north of the city of Portland. And we kind of just, we weren't sure what to expect, but we kind of assumed like Portland's pretty liberal. And so we kind of just had the expectation that it would be that way in some suburbs. And we quickly yeah. realized that uh, that wasn't the case. And so Martel was like a huge minority in Washougal, mm-hmm. something that right off the bat, Gabe and I felt very uncomfortable with, but we had purchased our home there. And so we needed to wait a couple years to sell it. We would have had to pay capital gains if we sold our house before two years, which we couldn't right. afford. So yeah. all that to say, we waited out the two years. And as soon as the two-year mark hit, which was this last February, we prepared all of January and had done quite a bit of research of some different areas in Portland that were more diverse racially and made the decision to move Mm -hmm. in conjunction with changing our church to a church that's right here in Southeast Portland as well. And Mm -hmm. so I think that the journey with, you know, I guess educating ourselves on race issues started six, almost seven years ago. And I think this year really put, I don't know, we, we like really put our actions where our words were. I think we, Mm -hmm. there's a better way of saying that, but I'm like having a really like fuzzy brain moment. (laughs) But I think like, you know, we, we had known from the time we moved to Washington that a better decision would be to be in a diverse community. And when I talked about mirroring earlier, it's so important for kids who've been adopted transracially to be have a community around them that mirrors them for them to yeah. be for Martel to be around successful black men to him, for him to be around black men who love the lord for him to be around black men in general or walking by at the park or were you know interacting with rubbing shoulders with that's so important for their identity for him yeah. to believe that it's not just white people who are around him that, you know, are at the stores in the park and whatever for him Mm -hmm. to feel like insecure in who he was, but for him to be around people who look like him all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think in the Pacific Northwest in general, that's not an easy feat. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really homogeneous area, mostly white. And so 
I think it's less than 5% of Portland's population is black. And so, you know, for us, it meant, okay, we've got to figure out where is a good place for our family and how can we advocate for our kids in a way that they know their value, their importance, and can hear from people who look like them the same thing. And so we joined a church that also is our head pastor is black and the worship team is black and our Mm -hmm. community is super diverse and it's been a really sweet change for our family. And I think additionally, you know, in this season of 2020 um, has meant for our family that we've participated in some protests just for, you know, basically just like we want there to be archives of the way that our family has advocated and stood with and stood by and listened to and heard and loved people of color Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I think biblically, when we hear people crying out of injustice, I think it's our job to listen and to learn and to stand with like Mm -hmm. we need to weep with those who weep and that means whether we had our boys or not we would have been out there Mm -hmm. but especially because we have our boys it just feels like these are their rights and we have got to do everything we can to ensure that their future is a better one Mm -hmm. and so then then it is right now Um, And I think that, I think it's, it's a, we're in a really tricky spot as a white family with black kids, because just real honestly, I think that the way that our family can be perceived is mixed. And I think we've always been really uncomfortable with people making comments like, wow, you guys are amazing or your um what how lucky your kids are to have you as parents and it's just mm-hmm. like mm-mm, no like I mm-hmm. feel really uncomfortable and being put in that camp of having rescued these boys from this awful existence I think yeah it's like no this is an answer to a call that God that God has asked us to do and we feel like we're the lucky ones to be their parents and Mm -hmm. it has required a lot of dying for us Mm -hmm. like we've had to die to a lot of our privileges in the best way and I think that it's just taught us so much about the way things really are in our country Mm -hmm. with regards to race and it's not the place that a lot of people think it is there are a lot of injustices surrounding our kids being born with black skin and that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I I guess without going into all these different things, I think that for us racially, it's meant this year doing a lot more, continuing to do a lot of listening. I think I've been very hesitant to speak Mm -hmm. and have been very just um, trying to be discerning of when to speak and when to listen And also trying my best to just amplify Black voices. So really, I've shared very few of my own thoughts 
about racism and have done a lot of sharing mm-hmm. of black people's thoughts on racism. We've had to have some very serious conversations with Martel about what it means to be himself and some different ways he needs to conduct himself mm-hmm. with regards to authority. And there's definitely some sadness and grief that has come along with that for us and for Martel. I think up until this point, we had just been building him up with, with his identity and reassuring him about who he is. And this was our first, not our first, but really our first deeper dive into injustice and historical injustice in our country. And so, yeah, it's been a harder season. Mm -hmm. It's been a harder season for sure of parenting and knowing how to navigate all of that. But we have some really strong voices of some friends of ours who are black. Our best friends are uh, out mm-hmm. here. Our friend, our friends, Mark and Hannah. Mark is black and was adopted into a white family, and so his perspective on Martel's life and Leo's life is really mm-hmm. helpful for us as parents, and also helpful mm-hmm. for Martel to just have somebody sure. who knows, <laughs> yeah, what it's like to kind of have this experience of living in a white reality but but never being able to escape the black reality either and not knowing necessarily always how to identify with that Mm -hmm. and so it's been I'm thankful that we have multiple adults in Martel's life who are there for him who Martel feels comfortable talking to who are positive influences for him I think that's so important for transracial families to have that support because there are just things we're not going to be able to provide for our kids that we would if we were black. So yeah. that's a real rambly, yeah. long explanation of kind of where we're at. <laughs> I think it, it ultimately has so many different facets of it. Yeah. Education for ourselves as well as for our kids and the way that we've chosen to diversify our life and make some big big moves, mm-hmm. literally, that maybe don't always feel comfortable, but feel necessary and good and holy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, it's, I kind of feel bad even asking that question, because I feel like we could do a whole podcast yeah. show about that topic. <laughs> so it's like, sum this up in 10 minutes, please. Um, <laughs> no. But no, I think, I think what you shared was really good, because I don't know, just as you were talking, I was thinking back to, you know, I've known you guys for, I mean, like, seven years, like, I feel like I've known you a really long time. Yeah. And I don't know that I know anybody that's as good at putting, like you said, your words into action as you guys are, Mm. and not just in this way, but in many, many ways. Mm. So I think your words and yeah, just your perspective on things is really helpful, especially considering that I think most of my listeners are white. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, whether or not they have, you know, an interracial family or any people of color in their lives, I hope that that gives them some added perspective Mm -hmm. on things. One thing I forgot that I just want to add to is that for me and for Gabe and I as a team and as a family, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of 
what this season has looked like too is I think in the past we've addressed some racial issues with people in our lives, but I think this really opened our eyes to realizing that like there has to be a zero tolerance policy for us. Mm-hmm. And and the reason for that is we can't sit at home and tell our boys how valuable and wonderful they are and sit by as somebody makes a comment contrary to that without addressing it in the moment and affirming to our boys and to that person how important it is that what they're saying is wrong and this is what's true. And so that we've had some hard conversations and some very real conversations with family members Mm -hmm. where we've kind of said, this is not something we can agree to disagree on. This is not something that's ever going to go away. And if you can't educate yourself about racism and about what it's like for our boys, then they won't be around you. Yeah. (laughs) Like we can't, yeah, we won't. So I think I think for other white people who are even white parents who are who are raising black children who are considering fostering children of a different race or mm-hmm. you know, who have friends who have kids of a different race like use your voice mm-hmm. and speak out against what's wrong. Yeah. So that's been a huge part is I'm quiet to some degree. I'm not quiet at all when it comes to <laughs> tolerating racism. Yeah, and I, I'm i really glad that you said that because it makes me think – something I've been thinking about lately is how it's easy to just be like, oh, politics, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, politics, yeah. no family wants to talk about them, right? And, I mean – We've had plenty of hard conversations with our family, too, about Mm -hmm. race, about COVID, about all kinds of, quote, political issues, right? And I think for me, I am feeling like I'm tired of calling this a political issue because, yes, it's in politics now because it's an important issue, but it's not a political issue. I mean, this is a heart issue. Mm -hmm. It's a biblical issue. It's a, I mean, it's so many issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's so many more things than it is a political issue. And I'm glad that it's in politics. I'm glad that our politicians are talking about it, but it's way bigger than that. And so to, Mm -hmm. I think, chalk it up to a political thing that we can't talk about with our family is really, really doing a disservice to so many humans. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because there are topics that we've agreed with our family. Like, we don't have to talk about that. Like, you know, we if we can't agree, that's okay. Like, we don't, you know, there are plenty of families who don't talk about things like that, you know, be it guns or whatever, just whatever it is. Like, right. we don't have to agree yeah. on some issues. But there are some that we do have to agree on. And, and I think especially – for a family like yours where it's going to have direct impacts on your kids. And for us, we're not in that position yet, but we we plan to be someday. <laughs> That's our hope and our prayer mm-hmm. that we do foster care or adoption eventually. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's something really to consider for people who I know having those conversations with, and not just family, but um, with people in general is really intimidating. But like you said, I mean, I don't just want to be someone who posts things online, but then is afraid to talk about them. <laughs> so, um, right. so yeah, 
I like right. uh, the call to put our put our money where our mouth is, essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I would think I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> yes. uh, okay, so yep. really good. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because I know it's it's just yeah. a hard topic to talk about with anybody right now. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to ask you, you kind of answered this earlier when you said, you know, you think eventually you'll do foster care again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of just get you to reflect a second because when I listened back to our first episode, something mm-hmm. you talked about was, you know, Martel's experience, you know, with foster care for you guys felt really successful because you, I mean, obviously he didn't get to reunite with his birth parents, but you guys got to adopt him. And it felt like this really Mm -hmm. awesome experience. And then after that, you had two really, really hard experiences with the kids in your Mm -hmm. homes. And, you know, if people want the details on that, they can go back and listen. But, Mm -hmm. but you said at the time, it felt like a failure, like you had to battle those feelings of like, man, did we fail these kids? Because we brought them into our home. And then we had to send them back, essentially, because, it just wasn't working. Yeah. So I would I just kind of wanted to get you to reflect on that now that it's been three years, pretty much, if not more since yep. then. Um, and just to see how it feels now. Yeah. Like, does it still feel like, mm-hmm. ugh, that's hard to think about now? Or how does it yeah. feel? Now? Yeah. I think sometimes it can feel hard to think about, especially in Nevaeh's mm-hmm. case, feels harder for some reason in my yeah. mind. But I think, you know, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I really think that we were wholly unprepared for what, what happened and what we, what the, the kind of parenting it required Mm -hmm. for us to be parents to those kiddos. And we went through the training for foster care. We had done outside reading But really, like when the rubber meets the road, there are things in my life that is trauma from my childhood, from different things that I experienced or different ways that my family parented that, you know, I have ingrained in who I am. So when you're parenting a child who has trauma, and this is something that we are dealing with now you know, with our, our six-year-old it, that we will ha- deal with with Leo too, that no matter if a child comes to you through any way but birth, they're going to come to you with baggage of trauma. Mm-hmm. Whether you held them on the first moment they were born or you didn't, there's trauma from, from leaving their birth mm-hmm. family. And the more mm-hmm. we've learned about trauma and the more classes Gabe has taken and the more you know, experience we've had and, you know, we're, we're seeing a therapist who specializes in adoption and the more, you know, information she's given us and tools, the more it really takes for us to do the work to unwind the way we were raised. Not that it was wrong for us, Mm -hmm. but when I think about hey, this is right and this is wrong. This is an okay way to behave. This is not an okay way to behave. And I respond that way to my kids. It's discounting what's going on beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And so for some of for our two kids who we hosted, they had so much 
baggage. Mm-hmm. They had so much trauma from their past that their responses were coming from a disorganized brain. They didn't understand nurture. They didn't feel that they were safe. And so they're still in their very most basic like fight or flight mode all the time. And sometimes no matter who you are with the best intentions, Mm -hmm. when things are totally out of control as a parent, you feel, especially if you're in a group of people or you're at a party or you're, even if somebody's babysitting your kid and they're having this huge meltdown, your initial response is, oh, this is really embarrassing. Mm, mm-hmm. Like nobody yeah. in the room necessarily fully understands what's happening. And so, or even, you know, in the privacy of your own home, my kids who I have permanently <laughs> drive me to the edge of my sanity mm-hmm. and kids who, A, you don't necessarily have a bond with and B, carry a lot of trauma can push you to a whole new level of stress mm-hmm. and I think we all kind of got to the point where we were in this survival mode. And I think I can look back on those seasons and have a little bit more grace for myself Yeah. than I do than I did then. Right. And I think that anybody who's considering foster care, yeah, I would just encourage you to kind of ask for further training, be trained in, you know, trauma-based parenting. There's a program called TBRI and, Lots of different programs, but it's a whole different ball game than than reading your typical parenting book. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that there's a lot more gentleness. I think that I can kind of carry for us in that time. I think there's yeah. still some feelings of wishing it went differently or sure whatever. But but yeah, I think the also other thought is, you know, the way we kind of run our family is the priority has to be our marriage in order for us to yeah. be able to parent well. Yeah. So our, our number one is walking with Jesus. Number two is our marriage. Number three is our kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. at the time we were struggling to be a, a unified team. And I think it's kind of like that foundation, you know, has to be right. strong in order for you to be a good respond well to your kids and mm-hmm. other people's kids essentially. So Yeah, definitely. No, I'm glad that you can look back with a little more grace. Do you feel at all like you mentioned feeling unprepared when you now knowing what you know now? Oh, yeah. Feeling unprepared then? Do you think is that on like the foster care agencies? Like, do you think they just don't or can't probably prepare people well enough for that? Or what do you think? I think that like a lot of our training was really out of date. And I look, yeah, I look back at some of those videos that we watched and questions that we, you know, answered. And I think like, wow, that was just really incomplete. Or, you know, they had these kids as acting out foster kids and it's just so inaccurate you know so Mm -hmm. I think some of it is on foster agencies for sure Mm -hmm. I mean if they have Mm -hmm. kids that are bouncing around from home to home as often as they are then I think there has to be some reflection on the agency as to they weren't prepared and to Mm -hmm. some degree you're right there isn't really any like lesson 
you can't learn something until you've experienced it fully. Sure. Yeah. So there is some of that, but there is better, there are better options for training than what we receive. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's, um, just something to think about for people mm-hmm. like not going to be political but yeah <laughs> but it's like man we really need more money in our social services because I don't know I just think about the people who probably work at these agencies and it's like I mean I'm sure there's all kinds of people but it's like I would guess the majority of them are really good people who dis- decide like I want to go into this low paying job to help kids like you know I'm sure I'm sure that's what most of them think and so it's sad to me then like just I mean I have a friend that does foster care out here where we live now and it's like sometimes not how her a what do you call them your agent or your agent your yeah. social worker yeah your yeah. social worker. Case worker your caseworker yeah not how her caseworker treats her like she doesn't treat her poorly but she just will like text her things <laughs> and she's like I don't know what that means like abbreviations for these terms and she's like I've never done this before. Like, I don't know what you mean when you say that. And it's like, I'm sure she's a great person, but she just does not have any time. Like, she's just literally texting you about your kid and what's going on with the kid's parent and their case and all this stuff. And man, I just can't even imagine how overworked and stressed out that girl is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so I think I've, I just wanted to point that out because. I agree with you that a lot of this is on our foster care system and also that's a government run system. (laughs) So it would be great to see more money go towards like our social work care and our like mental health care. I think that would be a really cool thing. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add that on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you a couple like you know, circle the wagon questions. For one, what is, if you had to pick, I didn't prepare you for this, but if you had to pick, (laughs) what would be a main message you want people to walk away with today? I always ask that question, but. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Well, I think that adoption is complicated Mm -hmm. and beautiful and requires sacrifice Mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. Yeah. But has been one of the most sanctifying experiences of our life. Yeah. And so worth it. I do think that it requires a lot of humility and not that I'm <laughs> not that I'm the expert in that area, but um <laughs> I think that I have been forced, I've been humbled mm-hmm. a number of times and it's it's really good for me and yeah. good for us and hopefully will be something that our boys look back on and say like that they're grateful for. Mm-hmm. So probably that considering this is mostly about has been mostly about adoption. Yeah. And if it's any encouragement to you, I'll say I mean, I know like I obviously mm-hmm. haven't lived in your house of, as you've walked through these things, but I feel like I've yeah. you know, we were definitely close like during Martel's adoption and foster care and now mm-hmm. we live in different states, but I got to hear the details of Leo's adoption and Everything I've heard and watched, even though I feel like I've seen a lot of the like really negative sides of it, it's only made me want to do foster care and adoption more. So I hope that's an encouragement to you because, yeah, I feel like I saw the hard part and I watched how you guys handled it and I'm like, I think I could do it. Yes, I think that's the thing is 
it's good to know the reality of it and the truth of it before you get yourself into it. But like, I cannot encourage people more. Like there's a huge need. Get yourself ready. Prepare yourself as, as a, at a heart mm-hmm. level for what that could look like to love adults mm-hmm. who are different than you, who have had very different experiences in mm-hmm. life than you and learn to have compassion for people who've done done things that you can't even fathom doing. And I think that's the part where it's like, oh, you put your kid in harm's way. Like you don't deserve to have your kid back. But that's not the way that you can think about it. foster care if that's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a an experience of learning to love people who are so different than you. And I think, you know, not to be political again, but I think in this season of Mm -hmm. voting and thinking about different things that are on the ballots and it's like, wow, I think being kind of rubbing shoulders with people who've really had a hard go at life and who don't have the same privileges that I do, it makes me think differently about the way that I perceive some of those issues on my ballot. I vote like I don't mm-hmm. have the privilege instead of voting to protect my privilege. Mm-hmm. And foster care is one of those things where you kind of yeah. you kind of get to know people who are maybe you wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. Totally. Mm. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of fun questions and we did this last time. I just wanted to see if you had the same answers or different okay. answers. <laughs> What's the most impactful book that you've read? Ooh impactful book Mm -hmm. um I probably said just mercy last time you you said a couple but just mercy was one yeah Yeah. hmm I recently started stamped from the beginning and that has been really a good book oh I've never heard of it it's really long so I'm slowly going through it Mm -hmm. um I have been listening to a lot of audiobooks and Mm -hmm. I also read um oh my word Stop. I can't think of the name of it. I This is like my brain lately. Um, come back to that. I will remember. Okay. What is Stamp from the Beginning about? It is about the history of racist ideas in America, essentially. Oh, okay. It's about race in America and it's, it's, non, it's a nonfiction book and it's good. Okay. It's really good. Okay, cool. It's, yeah, it's a worthy read. All right, awesome. So oh, let's just stick with that one. Okay. For now. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, what about you? I know you said audiobooks you've listened to, but what about have you heard any good like podcasts or documentaries or anything like that that you think people should watch or listen to? Yeah, I think Gabe and I have been re watching some of the race related documentaries that um, we had previously seen. And um, oh, I remembered the book. It's White Fragility. Duh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I just read that. Um, okay. As far as that was another really good one. Okay. Kind of touchy at certain points. Like I, I feel like as far as like people experiencing some defensiveness, maybe mm-hmm. uh, that would be one that maybe would initiate some of that, but also really good to think through and wrestle with. Okay. I can't believe I couldn't remember that. Um, Okay, things to watch. I think that one of the most powerful and saddening documentaries on Netflix is the Central Park Five. When they is it when they see us? Yeah, when they see us. Um, Yeah. yeah. I also Just Mercy came out as a movie. I still Mm. feel like the book is much better, but Mm -hmm. the movie is also 
very good. Mm-hmm. We rewatched Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. which is another hard one to watch, but also really good. And then one I will just say over and over again is 13th. Um, yeah, you got to watch it. <laughs> got to watch it. So good. Yeah. So those are some of our favorite documentaries. I just started watching that Netflix show on getting organized. I can't remember. It's like. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's with celebrities. It's totally right? not a documentary. Yeah, but it's really satisfying to watch people's <laughs> things get really organized. So yeah. I saw the ads for that one. That one looks fun. I can't remember the name, but I'll look it yep. up later. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What about a brand or a product that you really like lately? Hmm. I just got a new water bottle. Oh yeah. And it's kind of like the Is one of those Hydro big. Blast? Like the Hydro Flask, but it's a different brand. It's an iron flask, so it's a little bit – the brand is Iron Flask. It's oh, a little okay. bit less expensive than the Hydro Flask. Oh, nice. But I got a 40-ounce one, um, yeah. so it's, like, pretty big. Yeah, that is And <laughs> I think I've been struggling to drink water because mm-hmm. the water bottles we have do not have straws. They're, like, you kind of tip and pour into your mouth. And when yeah. you're a mom and you're on a walk or you're – Playing on the ground with the kids, the last yeah. thing I want to do is take out a bottle that I'm, I know I'm going to spill all over myself. Yeah. Or that um, you need two hands for. Like whenever baby yeah. was first born, I was like, I don't have two hands anymore. I need nope. something I can just do with one. Exactly. <laughs> so that is one thing that I I have – the more water I'm drinking, the more water I need, which mm-hmm. I am grateful for. Yeah. Um, I also got some just like – essential oils that were at the local the local Whole Foods store and it's um I got nutmeg cinnamon and clove and I've just been putting like two drops of each one in my diffuser and it smells like fall yeah and that's been really fun to just kind of have that happening around our house is it Eve something with Eve or garden is that the brand the brand is I can look and tell you because it's they're right over here. Hold on. They are called Aracacia. Oh, A U R A C A C I A. Okay. And they have leaves at the top of the like label. Okay. Leaves on it. Cool. No, I'm um kind of particular about the essential oil brands that I use, but someone told me the Whole Foods ones are good. So fun. Yes. Cool. Okay. Um, And last but not least, how can people find you if they want to look at you online or if they live in your area and want to hire you for your photography skills? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have two websites. One is Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, Walder photography.com and my other is hope unswerving.com hope unswerving is my blog that I have some archives of past writing and will write in the future on and then my photography website is the other but I also am on social media Mm -hmm. on Instagram it's Lindsay Walder and I also have Lindsay Walder photography on Instagram I'm also on Facebook but probably less than I am on Instagram so yeah yeah same yeah perfect well I'll put links to that so people can find you in the show notes and everything else we talked about like the books and stuff but yeah I just want to thank you again for coming on the show I'm really really glad that we got to take the time to do this and shout out to the husbands again for watching the children so we could yeah but yeah this was super fun and like I said I just know that 
I had so many people comment to me after the first time you were on the show just about how much they learned from you because I think there's a lot of people who would say they're interested in foster care or adoption but just don't know where to start. So I think just kind of having like a not beginner's guide but just kind of like a hey, here's like here's how we did it. Here's what our experience has been like. I think that's been really helpful for people and even and- like sharing the bad parts. I think like you were saying is good because I can't imagine what it's like for people to throw themselves into it without ever being around, like, a foster family before or anything like Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. I really thank you. Which, oh, that reminds me. Did you see, I wanted to ask you, did you watch the movie Instant Family? Oh, I started it and didn't finish it. Oh, man. I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I thought Ah. it was really cute. I mean, it was older kids, obviously, so, like, different experiences than you have. But I... It was like, I mean, it was obviously a movie, like a Hollywood movie, but it was really cute. I think you would like it if you watched it all the way through. It made me cry at the end, like how their family okay. came together. Yeah, it was yes. It was a really good one. But anyways, um, I digress. I just really appreciate, like I said, you coming on and being vulnerable with everybody and being willing to share your story because I know yeah. it's impacting people. So thank you. Well, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was fun. You are the only podcast I've ever been on. Oh, wow. So it's an honor. Wow, an exclusive. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, that'll change, I'm sure, as people hear more about you. They'll want you on. I said the Walders are really good at putting their words into action and so I know you learned a lot from Lindsay. I love that she is so vulnerable because it's really important for people to hear the good sides and the bad sides of the orphan care experience. So I'm honored that she takes the time to share with us and open up about her family's experiences and their story and I'm also honored that I get a Lindsay Walder exclusive. I'm so excited about that and I'm sure that won't be the case for long but I will always claim that I was the first to have her on my podcast not once but twice so so fun like I said earlier you don't have to be a prospective foster parent or prospective adoptive parent to learn from Lindsay throughout our conversation she taught me about racism about why we should all care about injustices in our country about how to handle these tough conversations with those around us and how we can do something about these topics through something as simple as voting And also that we may need to do a little extra legwork if we are going to become parents to children with trauma. That was really good to know for any of you who are thinking about foster care or adoption. I value my friendship with Lindsay so much because she teaches me a lot and I hope that you feel the same way. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation and learned along with us. And once again, I want to remind you not to forget about leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing the show with a friend. Leaving a review helps other people to find the show. I'm also donating money for every review I receive, so even more incentive to do it. Subscribe to the show. It's free. You'll know when the next one is available. And share the show with a friend. You can message them about it. Or even better, you can post about it on social media and tag me. I would love to hear what you learned and love to hear what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. That is all I have for you for the month of October. I will see you again in November with more good content. I hope you have a very happy Halloween. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays because I love dressing up and let's be honest, I love candy. So I hope you're able to do something fun and stay safe or maybe just stay at home and eat all the candy that you want. 
If you want to see our family costumes this year, please follow me on social media, on Facebook or Instagram. I have links to my handles in the show notes, along with everything else that Lindsay and I referenced today and how to find her online too. But I would love to connect with you online. And like I said, you don't want to miss seeing our costumes. They're going to be pretty adorable. In the meantime, consider how you can support the marginalized people in your community, especially children. If you haven't voted yet, vote like you don't have a privilege instead of voting to protect that privilege and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.